Hi, and welcome to the Pastor's Feisty Wife podcast. I'm your host, Sharon Stoltz, and we are in the midst of a series entitled God's Apocalyptic Moments. We're looking at moments all through Scripture where God pulls back the windows of heaven and allows people to see what he's doing from heaven's perspective. This episode is entitled, Our Blow-Ups Can Become God's Setups," and this is Apocalypse number five. As we're talking about blow-ups, I love this quote from Craig D. Lounsborough. Living an immoral life is like supergluing a bomb to your body that you have no way to disarm. You might be able to live in denial of the bomb, but you're going to find it very difficult to live in denial of the explosion. Anybody can build a bomb, maybe not the chemical kind, but definitely the emotional kind. Emotional bombs are created when we sin. They can blow up our life and the lives of everyone around us, sometimes for generations. These explosions can create damage that is broader and deeper than a bundle of dynamite. Consider these bomb components, which might be familiar to many of us. Adultery, divorce, gossip, and evil reports, pornography, dishonesty, substance abuse, corporate greed, political corruption. You know, Jacob, the grandson of Abraham, excelled at bomb building, and yet God still used him in world-changing ways. I think of it like a volleyball strategy. Jacob creates these explosive situations with his brother by stealing his birthright and with his wives by marrying two sisters and only loving one of them and with his sons favoring one of his 12 sons, Joseph, over all the others. He does this like an unskilled volleyball player attempting a bump near the net. Miraculously, God takes Jacob's terrible setups, spins them around, and turns them into kill shots on Satan's side of the net. In Genesis 28, the aftermath of Jacob's explosion with Esau results in an encounter with God in one of the most famous apocalyptic moments in the Bible. When Jacob and his mother Rebekah conspired against Isaac, his father, and Jacob's older brother Esau to steal Esau's birthright, now that was a huge deal in ancient Hebrew culture. Do you think Rebekah and Jacob understood that they built a bomb? A bomb that would blow up Isaac and Rebekah's family? In Genesis 27, we read about the trickery these two used to get Isaac to bless Jacob instead of Esau. During their planning stage, the two deceivers might tell you that the ends justified their means. 
The fact that Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of stew confirmed their belief that he didn't treasure the things of God like his brother Jacob. Surely God didn't want to build his special nation on the likes of Esau, did he? Turns out, God already told Rebecca and Isaac that Jacob would be the greater of the two brothers back in Genesis 25. Nevertheless, Rebecca and Jacob decide they need to help God's purposes along. I believe they were probably pretty horrified by Esau's rage. And you can read about that in Genesis 27:41, and Isaac's violent reaction. When this bomb detonated, there could be no more denial that Rebecca and Jacob messed up bigly. The original Hebrew in Genesis 27:33 tells us that Isaac did not just tremble. He shook with convulsions when he understood how he had been played. In Genesis 25:23, God had already predetermined for Esau to serve Jacob, even though Esau was the firstborn and should have received the firstborn blessing. Isaac convulsed because he tried to do an end run around God and bless Esau instead of Jacob. Instead, Isaac experienced treachery by his own wife and son. Mercy, there's plenty of sin and blame to go around in this family, isn't there? Jacob should have submitted himself to God's plan. Excuse me, Isaac should have submitted himself to God's plan and chosen to give the blessing to Jacob. Rebecca and Jacob needed to trust God to use his own means to cause Isaac to give the blessing to the right son. Esau did show disdain for his birthright and only valued it when he realized all the material goods that came with it. Instead of humbling themselves under God's mighty hand, everyone in this family built bombs. Then all the bombs went boom. In Genesis 28, we read about the fallout from Jacob's point of view. He's on the run from a murderous brother now. He's left behind two aging, broken-hearted parents who are now separated from both their sons. Even when he briefly returns to his parents to receive blessing instruction about his future wife, Isaac gives Jacob the Abrahamic blessing, but scripture doesn't record any words of love and affection between Isaac and Jacob. I believe Isaac was resigned to doing it this way, but he wasn't joyful about it. There was no happy send-off for Jacob here. On his way to his uncle Laban's house, where Jacob had been banished to avoid being murdered by his brother, Jacob encounters heaven come down to earth. Now, isn't that just like our God? At probably the worst moment of Jacob's life up till then, lonely, isolated, God pulls back heaven's curtain and he speaks audibly to Jacob. God allows Jacob a glimpse of the other realm of reality, lifting him temporarily out of his painful circumstances. God redeemed all of Jacob's conniving and its consequences to arrange this moment of revelation in the wilderness. Jacob's blow-up became God's setup. 
A beautiful ladder connecting heaven and earth appeared in a dream to Jacob. Above the ladder stood God himself, who took the opportunity to speak to Jacob. And God said to him, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you. I'm giving it to you and your descendants. God finishes on in uh, Genesis 28 by giving the full Abrahamic blessing to Jacob and then finishes with this additional promise in verse 15. God goes on to say, what's more, I am with you and I will protect you wherever you go. Our loving Father foreshadows the same promise that Jesus will give to his disciples centuries later in Matthew 28, 20, when he said, and be sure of this, I'm with you always, even unto the end of the age. Jacob probably needed to hear more than anything else in that moment that he was not alone. And isn't that what we need the most? When we are standing in the ruins of a family, a business, our finances, or something else dear to us? We don't need our noses rubbed in our failings or the failures of others. When a situation explodes like Jacob's family, I believe God gives us understanding about our role in the detonation quickly. God wants us to own our sins and mistakes, not the same thing, but he doesn't want us to set those as boundaries around the rest of our lives. In our shell shock, God understands that what we need to know is that he is with us. He has many more good plans for us. He has hope for us. He has provision for us. He has guidance and protection for us. From God's perspective, your future with him is not contingent on whether you blew up your life or someone did it for you. It's all just a setup for him to lead you into the next part of your destiny. We need to let go of this notion that some of us are operating on God's plan B or C or D or even Z for our lives. That is not biblical in any way. It presumes that God is surprised by the choices of man and then has to scramble to make a new plan. That's nonsense. Does it seem to you that God changed his plan for Jacob's life and his future descendants because of Jacob's deception? No, he didn't. What he did for Jacob, he does for us. He is in no way bound by time, space, or circumstances. Jacob recognized God's presence in his life after a terrible sin and terrible consequences. He built up a memorial stone and anointed it to commemorate God's redemption of his failure. He made a vow to God and became the first tither. You can check it out in Genesis 28, 18-22. Are you in the midst of an explosion or trying to recover from one? Sometimes situations can become slow, excruciating implosions. Things just fall apart. That is as painful as an explosion. God is near. He may speak to you through dreams, 
visions, a quiet voice in your heart, signs, wonders, or any means he chooses to get you to look up at him instead of your circumstances. The more you humble yourself in the middle of the wreckage, the closer he comes to you. He longs to lead you into the new things he's doing. Life can be sweet and purposeful again, just as it became for Jacob and Laban's house. When things blow up or fall apart in our lives, we need to follow Jacob's example. Get alone with God. Recognize God's presence and activity in your life. He is always communicating with us, but are we listening or paying attention? Worship him. Talk to him in prayer. Reaffirm your commitment to him and his plans for you. Remember, your blow-ups are God's setups. That's all for today. Thank you so much for listening. And if this blessed you, would you share it with someone else who you know may be in the middle of some wreckage in their life? You can follow me on Facebook under Sharon Stoltz. You can also follow me on Instagram under the same name, although I think it's Sharon A. Stoltz. And you can also find my website at SharonStoltz.com. That's S-H-A-R-O-N-S-T-U-L-T-S.com. Thanks again for listening. Till next time.